This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Blue Land. Did you know that uh, about 5 billion, billion? That's a de- I checked that because that's a lot. Plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year. And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy. We're shipping around all this water using fuel when we don't have to. Every year, Americans throw away 25% more trash from Thanksgiving to New Year. This year, maybe turn the New Year's resolution into action that makes a difference by switching to Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's a simple idea. They have refillable cleaning products. They have a nice design. I have them in my home. It looks nice on your counter. You fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blue Land tablets, wait for them to dissolve, and you never have to grab bulky, heavy cleaning supplies on your grocery run ever again. And refills, because they're small and you don't have to ship a bunch of water across the country, starts at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, Laundry tablets, everybody, you know what I mean. All Blue Land products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. Blue Land is trusted in over a million homes, including, yeah, mine. Blue Land has a special offer for listeners right now. You can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss it. Blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. Again, blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. Welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a comedy podcast with two brothers who will answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, I- I've heard that you're going to be starting uh, starting your garden soon. Uh, are you, I've already I, I, started it because the peas, I, oh. you got to put the peas in very early. Yeah. Um, I heard that you also added a bunch of soil. Okay. Because the... Uh, the plot thickens. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good gardening joke. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a great setup. I feel like I could have found a better setup, but that's what it was. That's where we were. Yeah, it was clearly the setup of a man who doesn't garden a lot. <laughs> <laughs> How do you thicken a plot, John? Explain to me. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's that's the part of the joke that's not great is that you don't really thicken the plot, but you do like, I mean, I did put some compost and okay. mixed mixed some stuff into the beds, and mm-hmm. I guess in that process they were slightly thickened. Uh, in news of what I would have tweeted this week, I would have tweeted about Sarah and my trip to Sierra Leone. We've just gotten back from Sierra Leone where we were learning uh, about the healthcare system with Partners in Health. And lots of healthcare workers in Sierra Leone who are doing extraordinary work in extremely difficult circumstances. As you know, Hank, because we've been working on this privately for more than a year, mm-hmm. the healthcare system in Sierra Leone is very weak uh, and it is not effectively meeting the needs of, of lots of the, the people there. But there is cause for hope. And yeah, it was a tough trip. It was, it was very. Uh, you know, it was emotionally difficult, but um, but I'm very grateful for the opportunity, and I feel extremely motivated to continue helping partners in health with with their work. I do too. Um, uh, thank you for 
making that trip and telling me all about it. I've heard a bunch already. I look forward to hearing more. And oh, I've got a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> I on on later this week. I'm making a PowerPoint presentation to Hank and Catherine and uh, my parents. <laughs> basically asking them for a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So that's it's So I I feel like I'm I feel like you're just testing your presentation on me over and over again. That so is that correct. Will be I'm trying to effective. figure out what will be most effective. What what does Hank respond to? Uh well I look forward to giving you lots of money, John. Uh by what and by you I mean partners in health. And by partners in health I mean um healthcare workers in Sierra Leone. Okay, we're not going to spend the entire time talking about my trip to Sierra Leone as much as I would like to. I understand that this is an advice podcast <laughs> in which two brothers provide extraordinarily dubious advice yes. to people who write us at hankandjohn at gmail.com. Beginning with this question from Allie, who writes, Dear John and Hank, who owns the bones? Like after a human <laughs> dies, bones are often left over? Often. Well, I guess that's <laughs> I mean, true. Yeah, sometimes not. Not always. Yep. Do the bones own themselves? Can bones own land? Like those bones once had meat and bought the land, but can they own themselves after they aren't a person anymore? Does the family own the bones or the state? Who owns the bones? bones. Who owns the bones? It's a great question. uh, I feel like don't like John, if you know, heaven forbid you died someday, Sarah would own the bones, right? Yeah. I think so. I think the bones are technically the property of the next of kin. Although, uh, you know, like the thing about being a dead person, yeah. and I think about this a lot, the thing about being a dead person is that you still have a surprising amount of control, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, legally. Yeah, really true. Like yeah. you have a surprising amount of control over what happens to your stuff and over like mm-hmm. um, like – I've always kind of, have you ever read Maureen Johnson's beautiful novel, 13 Little Blue Envelopes? I have, yes. I just love the idea of being a dead person and sending the people who want my money on adventures. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and and that's a right that you have as a dead person. No one can stop you. Up to a point, yeah. I think there are some things that you can't put in your will, right? Like you can't say like, I will give a million dollars to my niece but only if right. she commits this like incredible art heist. <laughs> I don't. Yep. I think there's some rules about what you're. But I'm not positive. The long and short of it, Allie, is that you need a will. And the reason <laughs> I wanted to put this question first is to remind my brother yeah. that he needs a will. Ah, I see. I'll get one of those. No problem. I was, oh. I'm going to do it right after PodCon, John. Wait, that happened like four months ago. Okay, well, one of the see. things, One of the things that really impressed me about the community health workers in Sierra Leone, and I am going to get back to your will, is that um, when they would visit with patients in their homes, they would ask extremely specific questions, right? So it wouldn't be like, have you been taking your medication? Like my psychiatrist asks me, like over the last 12 weeks, have you been taking your medication? Well, you know, sometimes. It would be like, did you take your medication yesterday? And and if you didn't, why weren't you able to? Like what are the, you know, what what are the obstacles between you and taking your medication? So let me just ask you this, Hank. Did you call your estate lawyer today? 
Okay. I appreciate the harassment, and I will get on that. Mm, I'm going to strongly disagree with that pronunciation. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'd like to lodge a complaint with the board. <laughs> um, all right. Well, look, John, sometimes I pretend to be British. You know this about me. That was Dead very, very close own... to a British accent. That was... <laughs> dangerously close to the return of your fake British accent from Uh, high school. Dead people don't own anything, as far as I can tell. Well, yeah, except like they're uh, pulling the strings of their own estates. Yes, yes. It's very strange to me that you can like... So this is a weird thing. You don't necessarily own your bones in the same way that you own your organs after death. Mm -hmm. This was a surprise to me. That is a Uh, surprise to me as well. That like, so uh, organ donation, you have to sign up for, but like tissue donation, you don't. So sometimes if you don't do an organ donation, you still can't, you still will have like ligaments donated to people. I don't know about bones. It's complicated. But in any case, the estate, like your bones are part of what you leave behind and you need to tell the people that you love what to do with them. Uh, because those bones are theirs now, and they need to know. Because otherwise, they're just going to be like, I got a bunch of bones. You know what uh, Shakespeare's tombstone says? It's one of my favorite Shakespeare poems. It says, good friend, for Jesus' sake, forbear to dig the dust and close it here. Blessed be the man that spares these stones, and cursed be he that moves my bones. Ooh. Did he decide to put that there, or was that somebody else that did that? You know, great question that I don't know the answer to. <laughs> well, it's probably no one knows the answer. There's a lot of mystery surrounding Shakespeare. It was a long time ago, turns out. Yeah. Do you all, The other thing about Shakespeare that I like, he had a will, Hank. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> his will left his wife his second best bed. Oh, who got his first best bed? I don't know. I don't know. That's the only part of the story I know. I know a lot of <laughs> trivia, Hank. I don't know a lot of context. Yeah, well, he was buried with his first best bed. He was like, look, I want to be comfy. Mm-hmm. That's the sitch. Yeah, I, well, like, some people think that, like, the second best bed thing was, like, a sentimental gesture. Mm. Uh, that it was, like, a, a kind of sweetness between the two of them. And others think that it was just maybe a burn. Yeah. Right. It was definitely some. It was one of those two. Either that or he just wanted his bones to be so comfy. And that's why he was so mad about the idea of people moving them. Right. Here's another question, John. It's from Jess, who asks, Dear Hank and John, over the course of my lifetime, I have heard of countries being in debt. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you will continue to hear about that. Yeah. But I've always wondered, who are they in debt to? Are they in debt to each other? Is there some kind of secret iron bank, bank like in the Game of Thrones that all the countries owe money to? Please explain, Jess. Yeah, all those things. But both of those and also other things. <laughs> yeah, the answer is both and. Like the vast majority or the majority of the United States' debt is um, money that we essentially have loaned to ourselves. In mm-hmm. some cases, it's parts of the government have borrowed money from other parts of the government. Yeah, In that's some fine. cases, it's uh, the government has borrowed money from its citizens that it mm-hmm. will it has promised to repay but then we also that's what a savings bond is yeah we also owe money to other nations like uh, china has a certain percentage of 
U.S. debt in the form of like treasury bills or, or savings bonds that like they have as a nation. And then we also own a certain amount of Chinese debt. And this is kind of a way of ensuring that no economy, like no mm-hmm. big global economy is allowed to completely collapse. Yeah. But at some point, the debt a country has becomes so much that people start to worry that they might not pay it back. And then the debt starts to get more expensive. So instead of like the United States basically we, being able- John, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but if you're going to like explain all of monetary policy, it is going to take a while. So I don't know if this is, is all necessary to, for answering Jess's question, which is that it's owned by countries, people, and banks. Is this not planet money? <laughs> This is the, the truth is, Hank, I've always wanted to be the host of Planet Money. Welcome to Dear Money Planet. This is a podcast about death and money. It's called Dear I, Money Planet. What I really want. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. My dream is to be the host of Planet Money or a host of Planet Money. OK, and that was my audition. And you interrupted it. There, At some point. A country has so much debt that it stops being able to set its own debt prices, and that is called a debt spiral, and it's super scary. It happened in Greece. It's very hard to get out of once it starts. Uh, We want to avoid that. Okay, so we're going to avoid that. This has been Planet Money with John Green. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Why don't you just start a podcast called Money Planet? Oh, yeah, because, uh, because I don't want... To host an economics podcast, I want the people at Planet Money to think that I'm cool. They are my favorite people. <laughs> I once I once spoke to the spouse of someone who works at Planet Money. I won't say their name. And they told me that they were married to this host of Planet Money. And I went bonkers. Like I, It was like you told me that you were married to Harry Styles or something. I was like, oh, my God, what's he like? <laughs> what's does he smell like tic tacs i've always thought he'd smell like tic tacs <laughs> i've always imagined him smelling like orange tic tacs <laughs> is that weird for you when i get really excited about your spouse anyway <laughs> there's also a bank though right like there are banks that take on country debt and there's also like there's specifically a couple of big like the imf and the world bank are these like Com- like institutions that loan money to countries. Yeah, but like with a lot of strings attached and with like mm-hmm. certain ideas about how to develop economies. Th- so the answer is there it, There are iron banks. There are also countries lending money to other countries. And then there are individuals buying up country debt. Yes. All of Not those all things. debt is bad. <clears throat> debt is not always bad. There, that is a common misconception. But another common misconception is that debt is never bad. Complexity. (laughs) This has been Planet Money with John Green. Nuance. Nuance. This next question comes from Sol, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I'm originally from Argentina, and I happened to have visited the U.S. a couple of months ago for the first time. I was very surprised and kind of upset by your coins. Wanted to do another money question, since John seems to be so into that right now. Oh my god, it's the special Planet Money episode! It's finally happening! (laughs) None of them have numbers on them! (laughs) I was constantly confused, because their value is not linked to their size, either! What the hell? (laughs) Is this on purpose to keep tourists on our toes? Is it a secret plot to make every four 
coroner feel inadequate or dumb? Or is it just a low-key way to let everybody know that sometimes you don't make any sense either? Steaks and Malbec, <laughs> soul. Uh, boy, oh boy. I, I hadn't even thought about this. Of course, I've been to other countries where the, the, cur- the, the number value of the coin is on the coin. That is just not the freaking case. I don't know what to say. We're just really into our president's heads. Yeah, the weird thing is that like George Washington was opposed to putting like people's faces on money because he worried it would be a form of like idolatry or like too close right. to, yeah, very to, close to, to the, the monarchy. Yeah. And yet here we are with like essentially nothing but people's heads on coins. Well, in buildings. We put a building on them as on the other side sure. usually. I remember the first time I saw a coin that had a number on it, and I was like, what a system. <laughs> it had also never occurred to me, but the very first Super time I saw clever. it, I was, like, I was like, this is a 10-cent coin that says it's worth 10 cents. It's the, it, doesn't, yeah, it doesn't even say that. It's just like 10. They throw it right in your face. <laughs> yeah, no, we want it to be difficult, Saul. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this about the United States, but like, yeah, we want it to be hard. The other thing that we do, and this is a fascinating strategy for uh, coinage, is we spend more money per coin than the coin is worth. So like we spend nine cents to make a nickel, which is worth five cents, and we spend like two cents to make a penny, which is worth one cent. So it's a great system. I'm holding a penny in my hand right now. It does say one cent on the bottom there, uh, yeah. spelled out. Why? Uh, it's from 1993, uh, and it looks like it's been through a lot. Now I'm suddenly feeling a little bit apprehensive about touching it at all. But I right. uh, do, like, I look at this and I think to myself, this, it, remember when they made pennies? As if they don't anymore. Yeah. I, have, I am now, like, in my subconscious, live in a world where all pennies were already made and they're not doing it anymore because why would we? I've moved on. It's mad. I now live in that beautiful world, but the rest of the world doesn't. It's absolute madness. I mean, what you should do with that penny, Hank, is you should just drop it somewhere, anywhere. That is the appropriate response to encountering a penny. Like the the, yeah, the just opportunity the cost <laughs> of putting the penny in your pocket is not worth it. You should just, when someone gives you a penny, you should just drop it. I just threw it across the room. I don't even know where well, it is now. Well, now. now you're going to have to deal with it later. You, you need to drop it in <laughs> some kind of public space. We need to have large-scale penny protests where people just, like, throw <laughs> pennies on roads. And they're just like, enough! <laughs> this is ridiculous. Why do we have a coin that does not facilitate the exchange of goods and services? <laughs> right. Maybe we could all come together and throw them into a giant pot where we then melt it and then sell the copper and and nickel for something useful. Oh, my God. That's exactly. You know, that's illegal because they had to make that illegal illegal. because, of course, people were doing it because why wouldn't you? Yes. So they had to make it illegal. You can't uh, you can't turn your one cent coin that uh, has two cents of metal in it into two cents of metal. This has been Planet Money with Hank and John Green. All right. This next question, we're going to move on from from finance, which, by the way, Hank and I don't even know anything about. <laughs> like, <laughs> we have we have strong opinions. I was the uh, I was the third best C student in the state of Alabama in economics at the Academic Decathlon in 1994. That is Look the level of my qualifications. I'm impressed. 
This uh, next question comes from Jasper, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I can't stop playing Tetris. I also have mm. this problem, by the way. <laughs> After John's video a few months back about how humans have suddenly gotten better at Tetris, I started watching the classic Tetris World Championship. I watched all the content I could until I realized I could try to start playing myself. I didn't know the game was so addicting. Plus, when I'm not playing, my head is still playing Tetris as I constantly imagine blocks falling down and placing themselves. Tetrominoes and microcomputer Jasper. This is a real phenomenon, Hank. I made an Anthropocene-reviewed episode about it. It's called the Tetris Effect. Uh, the Anthropocene-reviewed, by the way, is a, another podcast that I make. I think you'd like it. You should download it. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. People who play Tetris get obsessed with Tetris, and I am one of them because Tetris is the only game that has ever been made that is perfect. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, explain. Uh, there is no way to improve upon it. Ergo, it is perfect. But like, okay, so that's what perfection is? The, the like, inability like to improve the, the upon something? The guy who invented Tetris like released like several other Tetris games and mm-hmm. they were all like more complicated and more interesting than Tetris, but also like less good. Mm-hmm. Tetris is so beautiful in its simplicity and like the pleasure I think especially for like somewhat obsessive like loopy minds the pleasure of seeing the blocks all come together and then clear as you get that long piece into the well as it is called is just so intense that we like seek that again and again and again I was dreaming about Tetris last night actually because I played Tetris right before I went to bed I like I think the classic Tetris World Championships, as you know, Hank, because it is affecting your YouTube search algorithm, I think it is the best content in the history of YouTube. Like, it's incredible. They're so good at Tetris. Uh, yeah, they are. I, I mean, you're competing against a lot of YouTube, though, and those marbles are very good at marbling. Oh, it's true. The Marble Olympics is definitely the second best thing ever, <laughs> ever released on YouTube. Oh, God. If I was going to have a podcast, it wouldn't be a Planet Money podcast, John. It would be a Marble Olympics podcast. Oh, that sounds good. What was, is, the, is the point that you, that person should just become a professional Tetris player? Yeah, Jasper, leave it all behind and focus on your Tetris playing. Become a semi-professional Tetris player. And then the other part of your living, you can just like cobble together because... Tetris is the meaning of life. This next question comes from Miss Holiday, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I only go grocery shopping for myself, and I'm having trouble figuring out what I'll actually eat before it goes bad. I try to pawn stuff off on my pals, but I live in a boarding house full of old battle axes, that I, and I'm not allowed to have anyone over, and I can't just show up at the bar with a sandwich for a friend, right? Wait a second. Can I slow you down real quick, Hank? Okay, yeah, uh, I'll go. When this person says old battle axes, is that like a euphemism I'm not familiar with? Or do they actually live in a boarding house with old battle axes? <laughs> yeah, and just like sentient axes that will not allow visitors. Well, uh, yeah, and of course, like you can't pawn food off on them because they're battle axes. They don't eat food. No, a battle right. battle axe is like slang for like a like a old forceful woman. Oh, you're not aware of this term? No, but I'm very happy to have it in my arsenal. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like a it's like got a negative connotation. To well, it. I mean, look for it look for it in my next novel because I I like it a lot. Okay, um, uh, yeah. So, uh, 
I'm it's, I, I'm very interested in the the simple question here. How do you buy the right amount of food for one person? More interested in living in a boarding house full of old battle axes. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like the phrase battle axe came from uh, Carrie Nation, the woman who wielded a hatchet while destroying bars in her mm. mission to bring about prohibition. It does, it does make me wonder if Miss Holiday is writing from the 1920s. That seems like the most likely situation. Yeah. Including the phrase old battle axe, which again, I have not heard before, but I guess it has like a negative connotation, but I was thinking it's kind of awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they had snap peas in the past. They had bread in the past. They had yogurt in the past. The only three options that Miss Holiday was suggesting be uh, items that, that they have purchased. So Miss Holiday gives me no reason to suspect that, that she is from the current Including, like, calling yourself Ms. Holiday is highly suspicious. That doesn't seem... That seems like a 1920s kind of thing. Yeah. I think this is our version of Nicholas Sparks' The Notebook. <laughs> a book I have not read, and I also haven't seen the movie, but I think that's the premise. Right. Yeah. No, I, I know nothing about it, but but I am happy to be getting advice questions from the past. And if yes. if we by chance got more, I wouldn't mind. Oh, my God. What a great special episode that would be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it doesn't. Not any particular past. Could be the 80s. Could be the 1880s. Could be mm -hmm. like 1500s. I'm ready. I mean, it could be like 250 million years ago, and it's somebody who's like, listen, this is going to sound crazy, <laughs> but I am a eukaryote. <laughs> and I'm, I'm considering, now don't, now like, there's this, I, now I, I've Should taken I in another cell inside of my body. It's, there's another cell inside of me. It's producing a lot of extra energy. I'm considering not digesting it and allowing it to stay. I might call it the mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> what do you and think? I think, honestly, our advice in that situation would be like, we're of two minds on this one. <laughs> like, a I think ultimately of... it's like organelles are good for you, but maybe like in the long term, it's going to be yeah. pretty complicated. Yeah. Like, it, you know, right. I think I think it will lead to you having a better eukaryote life. <laughs> but I'm concerned about the longer term consequences. It's actually the same way I feel about like cars, Coca-Cola, a lot of things. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm. In, I, I like that these things exist for me, but probably better if they didn't exist at all. I yes. also I feel like I have to say I know that that mitochondria happened way before 250 million years ago. Oh my God, General like Buzzkill over here. Who cares? <laughs> I don't know. People are gonna tweet at me, John. Oh man, that would be the yeah. Okay, all right. That's good to know, though. When, when did when did it happen? Give me a, I don't give know. me a week. <laughs> did it happen on a Tuesday? Did it happened on a Friday. What was the what was the weather? I bet it was hot. It was about it was billions, like two point seven billion years ago. 
was the first eukaryotes? The month February. <laughs> the year in February. It was February. The moon shone brightly in the sky because it was much, much bigger than it is now because it was far closer. The answer to your question, Ms. Holiday, is that you've got a meal plan. Like, that's what people did in the <laughs> 1920s. I know because yeah. I have a lot of my grandmother's meal plans. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think that's what people should do now. Like, the way that you don't overbuy food is you know approximately what you're going to eat for the next few days. Right. And and also, like, if the the – I assume that you're buying your yogurt directly from a person who makes it. Um, if they can't package it in packages small enough for you because it is the 1920s and I don't know how it works – um, you're you're gonna you're gonna want to just eat a lot of yogurt. I mean, the crazy thing, Miss Holiday, is that you are just happen to live at the very beginning of the self service grocery store with packaged <laughs> goods and yeah, like yeah. highly processed foods available at grocery stores like Piggly Wiggly, and like you, you are at this critical moment of history, and what mm-hmm. you're gonna learn is that you're just gonna overbuy and then there's going to be a lot of food spoilage. That and that's going to be a thing for the for 100 years after that. Okay, Hank. We have another question. It's from Natalie who writes, "Dear John and Hank, I'm a big fan of fantasy and I follow a lot of production companies. It seems every company now creates dragon eggs that have scales as was seen on Game of Thrones. If dragons mm. were real, would their eggs have scales?" It seems kind of strange to me. Like, dinosaur eggs didn't have scales. Bird eggs don't have, like, feathers or beaks. So, like, (laughs) scientifically speaking, how would this thing work? Obviously not a mother of dragons, Natalie. Yeah, no, I think that that probably they'd be nice and smooth. But, like, look, I don't know how dragons work. I don't know what the inside of a dragon is like. I think that they're probably closer to a reptile than to a bird, in which case, like... It would be surprising even if the eggs were as hard as chicken eggs are. Like, I think they'd probably be pretty gooey and soft. Hank, you really blew my mind when you pointed out to me years ago that the reason dragons don't make sense isn't that they are like huge flying lizards. It's that they have six limbs. Yeah, nothing. We're called tetrapods, you and me and everything else that walks around or crawls around, like all vertebrates on land, because we have four pods, um, feet. So uh, there are no hexapods, except uh, in in Avatar land, uh, where James Cameron is from. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so uh, there are... (laughs) <laughs> there are also wyverns in fantasy, which are much more realistic. They're basically bats fr- that were had the lineage of of reptiles um, mm. that just have like their front arms are wings, are and then their back legs are feet, just like birds and and bats. Um, yeah. But there are no wyverns in the real world and have never been, which is interesting. All of which reminds me that today's podcast is brought to you by Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones <laughs> literally coming out very soon. And they've done such a good job of infecting all of us that here we are giving them free promo. Also, this podcast is brought to you by the Tetris World Championships. It's better than Game of Thrones. <laughs> mm, I don't know. They're both great. <laughs> they're, they're, how, how do you pick? How do you pick? Between the two greatest achievements in human history. Uh, Today's podcast is also brought to you by the owner of the bones. The owner of the bones. It Uh, might be you. It could be you. 
We also have a Project for Awesome message uh, from Johannes, who donated to the Project for Awesome to get us to read this message to Andrea. Thank you for being in my life. I love singing with you, dancing with you, cuddling with you, and everything else we do together. I love you. I mean, that felt a little weird to read. Andrea, (laughs) I think you seem cool. But... Yeah. But thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Johannes and Andrea for uh, being. So we all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but there are two things that you shouldn't compromise on. One is name brand Dr. Pepper. The off brand stuff just doesn't hit the same. And another is, of course, your health. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines or their family group chat or the crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally, no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. And the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 72 hours. So go to ZocDoc.com slash DearHank and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash DearHank. ZocDoc.com slash DearHank. I'm part of the Project for Awesome and for donating to great charities. All right, Hank, we have another question. This one comes from Anonymous. It's very obvious why they don't want their name revealed. It's because they're embarrassed about a lack of Vlogbrothers knowledge from 11 years ago. (laughs) Dear John and Hank, I was hoping you could explain to me where the phrase dude no edge originated. I'm a fairly new nerd fighter, but a very big science nerd. So when I heard the song, The Universe is Weird, I loved it. Originally, I figured Dude No Edge was just a great lyric in the song. But then I realized it's on the poster behind Hank while he sings. Where is the original (laughs) Dude No Edge, DFDBA, anonymous? Uh, John and I were on tour. I believe this was the Paper Town store? I think it was the Fault in Our Stars tour, but I am also not sure. Okay. Um, And uh, I was just thinking about the universe. Yeah. (laughs) We were talking about the universe. I don't don't really remember how it came up, but we were talking about the universe. And Hank revealed to me the fact that the universe... I still don't all the way buy this. The universe has no edge, even yeah. though it's and, expanding and, and it must be expanding into no, something. No, that's not. It's not expanding into something. It is just exp- so like imagine a balloon getting blown up. The balloon Many people expands. have used this metaphor for me and it makes no sense because when I see when I imagine a balloon getting blown up, I imagine the balloon expanding into space. Everything is all every bit of the balloon is getting farther away from every bit of the balloon. Right. So it's just it if you if you 
exclude if you just imagine an infinite plane of rubber and that plane stretches that's yeah. what's happening that's um, where you but, lose me i cannot but, imagine an infinite <laughs> plane of rubber like that that is the that issue is, when is you easy. say imagine yes, a balloon I, expanding i'm like yes I, balloons <laughs> have a ton of edges and they expand into space <laughs> yeah. but apparently the universe is yeah. not like that the universe doesn't have any edges and it isn't expanding into anything although then yeah ha ha ha, ha what is on the other side of its expansion and I, uh, so we were having this conversation and John didn't seem like tremendously receptive to uh, how remarkable and like a, a mind blowing this is and so I just said to him oh I was I, I, my mind was blown the problem was that I just didn't believe you and so I was like how can the universe not have an edge well, and also like it seemed like you wanted to start talking about something else and I was like no we have to keep talking about this dude yeah. no edge yeah there's no edge and Hank was really passionate about it as he gets about certain things. And then we were and then we re-recounted this story while Michael Aranda filmed us and Michael made a video of that and oh, shared it. And that, that's that how is happened. where it was popularized. Yeah. So Hank's song The Universe is Weird is one of the favorite Hank Green songs in our family, like which is yeah. really saying something because we listen to a lot of Hank Green music in our family. My kids love Hank's songs. And I will say, if you go to your Google Home right now or your Alexa or whatever, <laughs> and you say, hey, Google, play Hank Green, it's 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 just it's just hits top to bottom. Uh, this is so here's a problem that I have, John. Uh, Oren likes to listen to Daddy on the Google Home. Yeah. But when I play him my songs, he looks at me and then he says, hey, Google, hey, Google, play <laughs> Hank Green. And I'm like, come on, man. You got it live. <laughs> now he's like, no, no, no. I don't want that one. And then he like and then he points it and he points and he whines. He points at the Google and he whines at me and he like yells yeah. about it. And I'm like, man. Yeah. No, the recorded versions are much better. Dear Hank and John, I help plan a regional library conference, and one of my responsibilities is getting the 900-plus name badges printed. As I was pulling together the list of registrants today, I saw someone named Mark had typed his name in as, quote, Skid Mark in the online registration form. Oh, God. Should I save this man from the embarrassment of having this on his badge at a professional conference, or just print it exactly as he typed it in? Hello, my name is Hannah. Hannah, don't even pretend like you did not notice this. It's just, it's, it's, you can't take this responsibility on. Mark has made his bed and he must sleep in it. There are three possibilities here, right? Like possibility one, Mark is nine years old. And, <laughs> and then it's yeah. funny. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Then it's yeah. okay. Possibility uh -huh. two, somebody who Mark works with who does yeah. not like Mark I guess that's did possible. This. Uh -huh. In which case, you obviously don't want to like further the workplace bullying by have it pr being printed on their badge. Possibility three: Mark is not nine years old and thought this was like a clever thing to have on his badge at a library conference. Mm. That possibility is by far the most disturbing. Uh, and so, J John, 
there are two definitions of of skid mark. There's the the one where like you you stop your car very fast and it leaves a, a mark because of it was skidding. Yeah. And this is by far like this is the original term, of course. Yes. This is it, no longer what anyone thinks of when they yeah. hear the wor- term skid mark. Correct. Yes. It is a it is a poop related joke, and that's that's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, Hannah, you've got to just. It's just it's just Mark. And 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 you know what? Like if you run into Mark at the conference and Mark is like, hey, why isn't my bad? You should just be like, Mark, I'm going to stop you right there. You're welcome. Just grab him by his bow tie and shake him a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, hey, I, I have a bow tie and I wear it sometimes and I am a little offended. Okay. Uh, I also run, uh, I help run conferences, Hannah. And one thing that we realized early on is that we have to have a section that says name as you would like it to be displayed on your badge. And that is helpful in eliminating this moment of like, did he mean for this to be skid mark? Is that Yeah, but then, I mean, don't the VidCon employees occasionally save people from themselves? Uh no, wow. Maybe if it, if it's like a creator and we're like, hey, just so you know, this is what's gonna be on your badge. But if they want it on their badge, like that's not our job. That being said, I don't think any we've ever had a skid mark level incident, <laughs> <laughs> like a proper badge crisis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> John, on a previous podcast, uh, Paloma wrote in to us to talk about uh, the fact that she very much hated her coworker's ringtone. Do you remember this question? I do. I do. Um, and and we expressed skepticism because they did not include uh, the song, the name of the song. Yeah. And so Paloma sent in the song. It's called Roma. It is by. Tora Blanca and I uh, Paloma has also I, I corresponded with Pal- her because I listened to the song and I uh, responded to to Paloma and I said this is a bop and then I responded one minute after that and I said sorry I was not properly conciliatory this sounds like it would be devastating in the long term but in the short term this is a bop and uh, Paloma responded to me with a translation of the song And I would like to read you, this is a 30 second long ringtone that is apparently a very common ringtone if you have a certain uh, cell cell phone company in wherever Paloma is. And here is the translation. The wonder of that mouth illuminates everything like the sun. One thing leads to another and life is much better. I choose a place to go for dinner, a bottle of wine to start. I know that saying is simple, but when? The wonder of that mouth of yours illuminates everything like the sun. I would like to metamorphose it, make the best impression. I don't stop talking, trying to pretend that I'm not dying of my nerves, and now thinking I will get closer any moment now, that what is happening is love. Tell me that you feel the same way as I do. I know I'm not crazy. Love plays along, so let's play today to discover the spring within. (laughs) 
That's uh, that's the song, John. Um, and I mean, look, okay, the lyrics are not great, but let me submit that the lyrics to most love songs are dumb as crap. Like, <laughs> there's basically so two genres really... of love songs. There's the genre of love song where you're like, that is not healthy behavior. And then there's the genre of love song where you're like, man, that is really broad and empty. Um, in John, in the... so. Th- it is a little disturbing that the song is very clearly not about loving a, a person so much as just the mouth part of them. Um, yeah, the wonder but, of that mouth illuminates everything like the sun. Who um, hasn't looked at a mouth and thought, man, that <laughs> illuminates so everything right. just as the sun illuminates the earth. I can barely look at it. Um, so I did, I, in the process <laughs> Don't look at that this. mouth for more than a couple minutes or <laughs> yeah. you could have some real corneal yeah. damage. I need, I need my eclipse glasses, boy. Um, I did listen to the song several times and I went from being like, this is very good to being like, my life is ending every time I hear this song again. The people who made this song are nice people. Right. Are you worried about getting on the bad side of the people who made the song? I don't want to hurt their feelings. I know what it's like to make something that like becomes so popular that it becomes a ringtone and then people resent it and hate it. And it's not a good feeling. And I, I, I'm sympathetic to Tora Blanca on this one. All they did was write a song that somebody liked. Here's the thing. You can't really have any single song as your only ringtone. Well, here's the problem, John. This thing, this song has been converted into a 30-second ringtone that is the default ringtone for many, many people. And so everyone hears this song all the time. And this would never happen. Our default ringtones are as bland as possible in America. But like right. having it be a bop is a problem because like you don't want to bop to this for eight years while you hear it for like the 30 second version of this song over and over again. The solution is obviously to to offer your coworker like a 99 cent ringtone. Be like, I will pay 99 cents so you can have a ringtone. And this is your new ringtone. Bring. It was a very quick process for me from going from like, I like this song to after the sixth listen being like, oh, if this was someone's ringtone, I would definitely break their phone. Right. But I think that's the case with like almost any song. Like if you played me a song I love 12 times a day. Yeah. Especially like a 30 second snippet of it. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. And it's the same 30 second snippet, right? So yeah. like the first three notes are what really drive you mad mm-hmm. because you're just like, oh God, here it is again. And then the mouth, the mouth is coming. Yeah. Well, I know. I mean, you know, mouths, they are just like the sun, really, if you think about it. <laughs> Fusion. Hydrogen, helium. Hank, before we get to the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I want to read a response. The paperclip thing, which won't oh, die. Mm-hmm. Um, our dad. <laughs> he did. <laughs> our dad wrote us at our personal emails to express strong opinions about the paperclip thing. And we don't usually get uh, responses from our parents about the pod. So I feel <laughs> obligated to read this. Uh, dad writes... It, Kindly, he didn't write Dear John and Hank or Dear Hank and John. (laughs) He's he's very diplomatic that way. 
As your biological link to the paperclip era, when you place a paperclip against the top of a stack of paper, the short part automatically moves itself behind. It's the mechanical response. If you turn the paperclip over and try it, the same thing will happen. Short goes behind, long goes in front. It is quite difficult to get the short part of the clip on top. If you clip paper from the back of the stack, it will put the short part on top. But who would do that? Best wishes, Dad. So, I have heard I mean, so many rationalizations for why for both it, ways. Like, yeah, for both ways. For both ways. People, so, people equally astonished by the other mm-hmm. side. Just like, how could you put the bottom part in the front, and how could you put in the top part of the front, with just complete bafflement? And right. it made me realize that, like. We have a problem when it comes to, like, political discourse in the United States, but also when it comes to everything discourse. Yeah. And so many people wrote in to be like, paperclips are garbage. Why wouldn't you use a, me, one of the many superior forms of, of clipping technology? Yeah. Oh, God. Such strong opinions. All right, John. The news from AFC Wimbledon is something else. You've been gone for a couple of weeks, and Wow. Oh, I mean, suddenly AFC Wimbledon are no longer the worst team in League One. There's so much AFC Wimbledon news to get to. We should really have an AFC Wimbledon only podcast. Um, Uh AFC Wimbledon now have five games remaining in their League One campaign Mm -hmm. in their fight for survival. In their most recent game, it was, I have to say, a disappointing draw against Accrington Stanley. We had a few chances to win the game. To be fair, we also had a few chances to lose the game. It ended up 1-1. Uh, good, good, good game. Not great. We don't, we, we don't have a lot of space for ties mm-hmm. right now. Yep. Um, but in our previous uh, game, we beat Scunthorpe 2-1, uh, which was very good. That's a very That was a very good result for us. And now Wimbledon are 21st in League One. We have to finish 20th. So yeah. we're not quite there. You're one point out. We're certainly not there. We need to win at least two of our last five games and potentially... But you're going to win one of them because Bradford City has made a garbage. Bradford City is so bad. I mean, Bradford City <laughs> hasn't won a game. Like, I don't think they remember the last time they won a game. And that's our last game of the season. And they will definitely or almost definitely be already relegated. So they'll have nothing to play for except for pride, stupid pride. And what uh-huh. if they win? Oh. So, uh, yeah, I'm very nervous. I'm thinking about, like, do I fly no, to, Bradford to Bradford on May 4th? No. If we haven't secured, if 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 it's all still to play for, and I think the answer is probably yes. No, that sounds very stressful. Just just having it show up on my Google Home app is very stressful. If, if I, whenever I catch a game when it's in the middle, like when it's in progress, Catherine is like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "AFC Woman and on. I'm just refreshing." God, <laughs> look what you've done to me. Well, so we definitely have to win two of our last five games. Uh, we may have to win three or or at least draw a third. It's going to be tight. It's going to be tight, 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 tight. And I am definitely worried. Mm-hmm. But look, we were dead in the water just yeah. two months ago. So what this team has accomplished has been really astonishing. And 
Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. One last thing about AFC Wimbledon. I have to uh, pay tribute to the great Eric Samuelson, AFC Wimbledon's CEO for the last 12 years who announced his retirement this week. Eric became the CEO of AFC Wimbledon when I think they were in the seventh tier of English soccer. They're now in the third tier. The ground has just been broken on the new stadium that will take Wimbledon back uh, to, to their home. What he has accomplished as CEO is really astonishing. And amazingly, he's done all of that while being paid one pound a year. Uh, I spoke to Eric this morning. And uh, I, I told him what I read on Twitter once, and I really believe it's true, that Eric Samuelson was AFC Wimbledon's best ever signing. And uh, without his leadership, our club would not be where it is. And I'm just very, very grateful to him. Uh, and I have to say on a personal level, he's been a really great friend and mentor to me. Uh, I just love the way that he's gone about his work and uh, his devotion both to a higher cause, to his community, uh, but also to his family. So uh, I wish Eric all the best and uh, congratulations on, I would argue, the greatest campaign as a CEO of any football club in history. Uh, John, Mars is great. Um, it has always crushing it. It, har- it has an atmosphere and it has different gases in that atmosphere. And we yeah. study those gases. And one thing that we've noticed is that like sometimes there seems to be methane, but then we check again and it's not there. And we're like, is there actually methane or was there like some methane stuck on the Rover maybe? And then it got at, like released when we opened something and we detected that or are our sensors just wrong? Well, for the first time, um, we have uh, independent uh, confirmation of a methane reading. So the Mars Curiosity rover detected methane on a spot at a time, and then we had an orbiter that detected methane at that same spot at that same time. So hmm. this is weird for uh, a couple of reasons. One, because it's not there all the time. It's there sometimes. Yeah. Two, methane is not stable enough to stick around in Mars's atmosphere long term. So any amount of methane, if it was created or, or released on the surface of Mars, would be gone in the course of a couple hundred years just by, you know, like chemical reactions that would happen in the presence of solar power, like solar radiation and, and the chemicals that are in Mars's atmosphere. So it has to be coming from somewhere. It has to be coming from somewhere occasionally, but not all the time. And... On Earth, we know of basically two ways that methane gets made. One is by uh, microorganisms that um, that don't use oxygen. So microorganisms that like live and do their business, but they don't require oxygen. And uh, swamps is where this happens a lot. And that's why you sometimes get swamp gas with a lot of methane in it that will actually catch on fire even. But right. what we... Uh, but there are also ways that methane can be created, not biologically, but geologically. And those also are weird and cool and require liquid water. So you basically can't do, uh, do like do like geologically created methane, as far as we know, without liquid water. Now, we do know that there is liquid water on the surface of or, or underneath Mars. We don't really understand 
what the sort of state of that water is. Is it um, like how like briny is it? Is it like mud? Is it like just like full of all like full of stuff? And and so basically more of a slurry or slush than than uh, what we would think of as like you know a giant lake underground. So we either way this is a really interesting and important data point um and uh and it also sort of reaffirms the idea that mars is still geologically active if it was being created in a geologic process which is of course the more likely of the two but it's very interesting and as we have more time as we have more instruments around and on Mars to study it, we will get better at sort of maybe localizing where the methane is coming from, having a better idea of like what seasons it is produced in um, and and what, and that might give us a better idea of where it's coming from. So it's weird, it's exciting. There's been a lot of talk about methane on Mars before, and there's also been a lot of back and forth and arguing like, no, no, there isn't actually methane. Yes, there is, and this independent confirmation is a really big deal. So uh, look out for that in the news if you haven't seen it already, and consider yourself informed. Thanks to everybody for <laughs> listening to the podcast. Thanks, thanks for potting with me. This podcast is edited by the brilliant and hardworking Nicholas Jenkins. Our head of community and communications is Victoria Bongiorno. You can email us at hankandjohn at gmail.com. We're produced by Rosiana Hals-Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. The music that you're listening to right now and at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be awesome. awesome.